Welcome to the Legends of Oral Regeneration by the Osteology Foundation. One host, one guest, and a whole bunch of experience and expertise. Meet the people behind the names and get unique insights. Welcome, my name is Lisa Heights Mayfield. I'm a periodontist from Australia and a board member of the Osteology Foundation. Joining me today is Professor Christoph Hemmerle, a legend in oral tissue regeneration. Professor Hemmerle is the chairman at the Department of Fixed and Removable Prosthodontics and Dental Material Sciences at the University of Zurich in Switzerland. He's also past president of the Osteology Foundation and an honorary board member. I first met Christoph at the University of Bern in Switzerland some 20 years ago when he was an associate professor at the Department of Periodontology and Fixed Prosthodontics. My first impressions of Christoph that were that, were that he was very tall, well respected, and he seemed very serious. But I soon learned he had a great sense of humour and a very warm smile. Christoph has a very distinguished career as an academic, master clinician, teacher and researcher. And I've been looking forward to talking with him today. So welcome Christoph to this podcast. Thank you very much, Lise. It's a great pleasure for me having been invited and to spend this time with you with this interview. Thanks a lot. Great to have you. And I'd like to start, Christoph, by asking you what it is that you most enjoy about your career in academia. For me, it's the energy and the enthusiasm of a team in academia. It's to be around young people who love dentistry, just like I do who are dedicated clinicians in the first place, and their aim is to improve the patient care that they provide. And they also want to pass on their knowledge and skills and help other people to do things the way they're doing it and the way they look at dentistry. Well, you've certainly been involved with a lot of different research groups and institutions. You've traveled all over the world but I wonder if you could give our listeners an insight into how you first became involved in, in research. What, what inspired you to, to become involved? It did not start when I was a dental student, that's for sure. Like most people in our system who are in research, it happened somewhere later in the career. I studied dentistry in Bern. Then I went to work in private practice for different uh, practices to gain experience. And then I did not want to open a practice myself. I wanted to have further education. So I went back to the university where I worked in the department of the legendary Klaus Lang to do the perio and fixed prosthodontic program. The aim was to be a better dentist, provide better care for my patients in my life as a private dentist. But then I got to know the environment that Klaus had created the contacts that were there, the enthusiasm that I mentioned earlier, which I felt there for the field of dentistry, clinical dentistry, research, teaching, meeting other people, traveling, doing the best for the students and all this. And this was basically the moment where I felt academia, a new world that I got in contact with during this time was an option for me for my future career. 
I also had the chance to go to the University of California at San Francisco for one year after I finished my studies in the postgraduate program. See a different university, different environment, different way to do things, having similar aims. And this was really very stimulating for me. When I was young, I was an exchange student in high school in the United States. So I knew about the value of seeing and living in other cultures. And as you said, Lisa, I've been to different places for sabbaticals, always trying to learn something which I can bring home to my own university and to our team here. And I've also tried to encourage people to go elsewhere as a very important part of an academic career. So this is how I got into this field and where I got all these, the stimuli to make this change. That, that's, that's really interesting to hear that. And it does sound like Bern was um, a very important place, very inspiring and being in the department with Professor Lang. And of course, he's, he's, been, he's been on one of these podcasts too. So our listeners will enjoy listening to that as well. But Christoph, when you were in Bern, in fact, when I first met you there, you were really just, I think you were really delving into the research area of tissue re regeneration. And I wondered if you could recall what were maybe some of the key publications or projects you've been involved with. And were they also started in Bern or, or was, what, can you give they, us a bit of an insight there? They did start in Bern. And I think a key trigger was Stuart Eman, one of the developers of guided tissue regeneration, who then had started to apply these, this technique, this methodology in bone regeneration. And he spent two years in the department of Klaus Lang. Klaus had invited him. He had just, uh, Stuart had just retired the University of Gothenburg and wanted to keep going and do research, develop the field in a new direction. And this is where we had the input to start to do bone regenerative experiments. We did experiments and clinical trials. And this is how we got started there. And I think some, when I look at key publications, I would say it's the, the ones that were done with Stuart Neiman and Christa Dahlin and uh, Anders Linde, Anne Linde and the group in Gothenburg from these two departments that really kicked off the field and helped us to better understand what was going on when we tried to apply these methodologies, guided bone regeneration, both in experimental studies with results and then applying this to improvement of implant therapy in, in patients. Yes, well, you certainly had, had um, some, some wonderful people to learn from. I mean, they, they really were the, the people that started all of this tissue regeneration and then you've brought it further forward with, with your research. Um, what would you say that you, is your, was your first study that you published in tissue regeneration? Was it in the GBR field or? Yes, it was in the GBR yeah. field. My focus at that time was on bone. My, uh, my habilitation as it is called in our way of doing academic career was on experimental bone regeneration. A lot of these were uh, basic experiments that we did. And then were also some studies in that had a clinical aspect. And it had to do with the patterns of osseous healing under guided bone regeneration, the difference between using the membranes and not using membranes, trying to find out what are the key factors that membranes should be designed. 
what are elements that are going to be important in the clinic, and then using this methodology to cover um, defects, bone defects at implants at the time of implant placement. So the simultaneous approach of placing an implant and doing the bone regeneration at the same time. Being from perio, of course, there was guided tissue regeneration, reconstructing lost periodontal tissues. And as we all know, this is always done when teeth are already present. So it's a defect that was established that had to be corrected. And we transferred this thinking and this knowledge into the field of implants, not doing the bone regeneration first and then placing the implant, but place the implant and do the bone regeneration at that same time. This was the, the research focus. Very, very interesting. I remember, um, you know, when I first came to Bern, you were really starting to uh, do some very interesting research and you've continued that through the years. And now, of course, you're in Zurich and you also not only have the periodontal side, but also the restorative aspects. Do you see that um, having a broad knowledge and research in both fields is an advantage in, um, in, in the research within tissue regeneration. Can you use certain methodologies from across the dontic field to help you with your research in tissue regeneration? I, I agree that it's generally an advantage to have experience in different fields. I mean, dentistry usually is something interdisciplinary patients do not come with isolated problems. We need to understand different aspects of therapy, perio, restorative, maybe even orthodontics, prevention and whatnot. All this is important when we care for patients. And if someone has experience in more than one field, it can help. So let's say in <clears throat> implant dentistry, also in periodontics, there's always the, the, the chewing abilities, the uh, phonetics, aesthetics, health aspects, and the different disciplines play a role in there. So I'm convinced that this is, a help, is helpful for providing comprehensive care. If you're a specialist, of course, you can more focus on specific aspects, which are also very important for patients with these specific problems. Thank you, Christoph. Um, now you've so you've you've talked about collaboration and and having experiences all over the world. As as you've mentioned, you've travelled very widely, lectured all over the place in Australia. Also, we've loved having you here. You've been on sabbaticals. I think you also had a sabbatical in Brisbane um, sure. at the University of Queensland. Um, and you've become known as an exceptional mentor and teacher yourself. You must be really proud and very pleased to have had the opportunity to help so many young researchers, young people achieve their goals. How important is it to have a good mentor when starting in, in an academic or research career? Having a good mentor like uh, I had with Klaus and you also had when you were in, in Bern and could experience the possibilities that opened up by having a good mentor, they really they can be very critical for a career. Of course, I also see people who did not have the chance of great mentorship, but they had to do many things by themselves. But I think it's what I learned was from Klaus was the enthusiasm. And also from other mentors I had who were not in academia, always their enthusiasm for what they were doing. 
Then, of course, connections are important. So you can get in contact with other people, start to build a network of your own. Usually this is a great help if there's, you're within a network already and advice and guidance, how to make your decisions, where to put the emphasis, what to do, what not to do, and how to find your balance in life. So all these elements are very important and the mentor can give you a, a lot of help in these aspects. And I think also protection is something. We all make mistakes and when you're building a career, it's good to have somebody who will protect you when there's a difficult moments. So this is an aspect I also think is a important one when it comes to mentorship. Yes. Um, so that's that's very important, and um, also, I mean, as you said, you you can't be an expert in every field. So the the collaboration is also very important. How I mean, I know from reading your papers, you collaborate with many different uh, universities from all over the world. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the these collaborations and and how they've developed. I know you've recently been in India, for example, for a, a period of time. Was that also a sabbatical? Yes, correct. It was part of a sabbatical. I spent part of it in India, part of it in China, and part of it in South America, in Chile. And it all had to do with visiting places where we already had a research collaboration, and we wanted to deepen the collaboration and make it more powerful. And when we look around the globe or any schools, local schools, other than the ones we work in ourselves, we go abroad, close or far, there's always common interests. And the idea is to find these common interests and then try to do something together. And everybody has their strengths in their local environment. Everybody has their weaknesses in their local environment. And if we can pull together the different strengths, we can move towards our goals much faster when we collaborate. And as you say, this is something we've been able to establish over the years, a strong network with collaborations around the globe. And I'd say, like to say that the osteology scholarship is one of these elements where you have young academicians, you can integrate in your team for a year, you start to build a personal relationship, you know each other very well, and when they go back to where they came from or any university, other places to work, you can start to establish collaborations with them. And we have had some very successful collaborations with people who we've had at our department, who we continue the collaboration in a very productive manner. So I think this is a strong point about the Osteology Foundation to provide this support for young researchers and academics. Absolutely. And in fact, I wanted to ask you how you actually became involved with the osteology group. It was a, more than 15 years ago. It was in the time when Dr. Peter Geistlich um, created the foundation. I remember the process where it should be located and who should be in there and what was going to be happening. And then I was uh, lucky enough to be appointed as a board member in the Osteology Foundation. And when you go back to the initial days, you will see that there are fantastic names of board members, just as there are today. So there was already a flying start. And I was very honored and happy to be among this elite group of researchers and clinicians 
and also was there with uh, mentors of mine. Klaus Lang was also there and others as well. So the was my first involvement with the Osteology Foundation and it lasted for more than 10 years. Great, interesting work, interesting exchanges. And I think during that time, we're able to build a foundation for future development. And now the Osteology Foundation is really uh, what's happening in the board today is something very strong in the field of oral tissue regeneration. Thank you, Christoph. Um, I think our listeners would probably know you, they've seen your name in, in many places. You've been president of many organizations, organized um, consensus conferences for the EAO, been president of the Prost Academy. Um, you've been very involved in the ITI as well. But I think, uh, you know, what you've contributed to the Osteology Foundation and how you've help develop that has been really very valuable. You've also received many awards. Um, what's your, let me ask you, what's your favorite award? I know there was one in New York you were very happy about traveling there and receiving. Can you tell us a little about that? This is uh, from an organization, Greater New York Academy of Prosthodontics. Um, not in our closed environment, it's on a different continent, it's North America. And I was bestowed a research award, the Schweitzer Research Award for uh, the research contributions I have made to the field of dentistry and prosthodontics in, in, uh, in general dentistry and especially in prosthodontics. So for me, this was a very rewarding moment. Um, another one is the uh, honorary doctor I got from the uh, University of Athens. I mean, for me, Greece, I studied Latin and uh, had some insight into Greek cultures. It's something very special because I consider it the foundation of our cultures, the cultures in Western Europe and in large parts of the world that we live in originated from this, this area with many of the values that we were able to carry on and further develop. So these are two of my uh, very important rewards. You had already mentioned Osteology Foundation, honorary membership and EAO also uh, close to my heart. Fantastic. Well, you've, you've really achieved such a lot. In fact, I don't know how you, you manage to do everything. You're, you're extremely busy. And I wanted to ask you, have you got any words of advice for our younger colleagues in how to keep a balance between private and professional life? It, it can be very challenging. It is very challenging. You're absolutely right. And the our professional environment is so stimulating that there's a uh, great chance that we're so enthusiastic about it and we can't forget about the world around us. So I think it's a good idea to organize a schedule and make events or that are of private nature, just as important as things that are of professional nature. So when I have something happening on a specific date, I know this will be at that time, then I do not cancel it for any Congress invitation that I get. That is good so advice. This is, I think, this, and I see it around me, and this is what I try to tell the young people. Make this events just as important as your professional events. They should not be canceled or postponed or moved around. Then uh, that can be a, a help. Thank you, Christoph. And now many people may not know this, but 
you're not only a legend in tissue regeneration, but you're also a bit of a legend on the motorbike. Do you still find time for that today? Um, yes, I still, it's one of these uh, dates in the calendar that cannot be moved. And uh, we go riding motorcycles as a group. We call the Dental Rockers of Switzerland. And it's about uh, camaraderie, excitement, being on the motorcycle, traveling. We always go to places. And there's also a little bit of competition in there. I also go on to racetracks with friends, not to do races, but just to have fun on a racetrack. And uh, it's part of friendship and excitement and uh, just uh, a very good time, a very good way to spend your free time outside of the office and outside of dentistry. That sounds fantastic. I'm glad to hear you're still doing that. Well, our time's coming to an end. It's been really great to talk with you, but I do want to ask you one last question. And that is knowing everything you do today and from all of your vast experiences, both professional and personal, what would you say or what advice would you give today to your 30 year old self? I listened to the other podcasts and I realized that there's these types of questions. So I was wondering um, what I would, would look at as something important. And actually it happened while I was in Chile. And my uh, good friend Jaime Charat, he told about the graduation of his son. And there um, the person who gave the speech said with different examples, but the key core was be humble be brave. And I think this is very important. And the key is to find the balance between the two, to know when to be humble and when to be brave. But when we do things, it might be helpful to look at this. What are we planning? What are we doing? And always see what's the correct behavior, the correct stance in a specific situation. And when I look back, I think this is something that uh, for me would have been a good guide to look at different elements, different happenings in my academic career. Thank you, Christoph. And thank you so much for this talk today. It's been a real pleasure and a privilege. The pleasure was absolutely mine. Thank you, Lisa. It was wonderful to do this interview with you and thank you for asking all these interesting questions. And thanks for the time and giving me the chance to do this. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you.